1029 The Mater presents In the Red Zone with Rob Witham. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Massey, Wood, and West and by the Sports Page Grill in downtown Ashland. Most of you, the first work day of 2020 in the books as we try to get back to normal on this Monday. Hi, friends. Rob with them. We're live at Sports Page Grill in Ashland in the red zone, live on 1029 The Mater at 102.9 FM, 1430 AM. Fans listening tonight at rvasportsnetwork.com, hanovercountysports.net, and also listening on the TuneIn Radio app on Radial, R-A-D-I-A-L-L. Randolph making head football coach Pedro Ruza joins us in this hour, just moments away. We begin tonight with not one, but two accolades on the hardwood for Randolph making men's and women's basketball. What a week for Buzz Anthony. Let me kind of lay it out for you. The Yellow Jackets coming out of the break, host the coaches uh, tournament last Sunday and Monday. Buzz registers what is believed to be only the second triple-double in program history in a 94-56 win over Lebanon Valley to get to the championship game, which was a week ago this evening. In fact, a game where we were there for the first half, had to leave to come here to do our show, and the game went final just as we were going off the air. Randolph making holding off Rowan to win the tournament title. Then it was a few days off into the new year and back in action. Longest ODAC road trip you can take if you're Randolph-Macon is down to Emory and Henry. And not only did they do it, they did it and they dominated. 93-60, the final score for the week. Anthony averages 17.3 points, 8 rebounds, and 7.3 assists. As Randolph-Macon ranks 7th in the latest national D3hoops.com top 25 poll, improved to 4-0 in the conference and 12-0. and Overall, looking ahead, they have a non-conference affair coming up in Fredericksburg in about 48 hours. They will tip it at 7 Wednesday night. That is against Mary Washington. First of all, Mary Washington always has quality program, be it men's or women's basketball. Second, they have a, if you haven't been up there, they have a beautiful, relatively new facility for basketball. They are 9-5 and five coming in to this matchup. They played in the FNM Holiday Tournament in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, at the same two days that Randolph-Macon hosted their tournament last week. On Sunday and Monday, they lost to Susquehanna, and then they defeated St. Elizabeth in the consolation final. Uh, they they struggled a bit in December after going six and one in November, which included wins over ODAC opponents Shenandoah, Eastern Mennonite, Bridgewater. On the road was their lone loss, and in the CNU Classic, they were able to play and defeat Lynchburg and Randolph. Then things kind of slid, went sideways in December, starting with a loss by 12 uh, to Virginia Wesleyan in Fredericksburg, which was a bit of a surprise. They got a win over Marymount, and then they lost to Whitworth. They lost to Pacific of Oregon and George Fox. They got a win on a trip that they took the week before Christmas. Then in the FNM Holiday Tournament in Lanchester, they split it, and that's how they come in to 9-5 and five overall. Again, the tip will be at 7. As for Randolph-Macon looking ahead, 
This is the final non-conference affair in the regular season for Coach Merkel and the Yellow Jackets. After Wednesday night's game, it's all ODAC the rest of the way, beginning with a home date with Therum on Saturday afternoon, part of a men's-women's doubleheader at 2 o'clock. They go to Eastern Mennonite next Wednesday night, the 15th, and then the Guilford Quakers come in a week from Saturday, January the 18th. So uh, they're starting to hit a critical stretch and a critical juncture here in the season. If uh, they really don't even want to talk about it, whether you want to stay undefeated or not, that's not the question now. Because once you get by the Eagles, if you can do that on Wednesday night, then for Merkel and company, it's a matter of you want to be number one in your conference. You want to win it. You want to get that by and be in the top four, but preferably be in the one situation uh, to head straight down to Salem and see if you can't get that tournament championship to go with a regular season title. Uh, But to do that after Mary Washington, you've got six ODAC games in the month of January, and you got six more in February. Four of them, though, are at home. That's very important to point out. Congratulations to Kelly Williams of the women's basketball team. Tied her season high with 21 points and a 61-51 win Saturday over Hollins. Pair that with a 75-53 win at home Thursday night over Lynchburg. We were at that game, and it was an extremely impressive performance by a Randolph-Macon team that told me basically after the game, look, we went overtime with Christopher Newport back, what, almost a month ago, and then we had to sit on that loss knowing and realizing just how good we could be. And so talking with senior Michael Ross, who led the Yellow Jackets in scoring with 22 points in the Lynchburg win, she was like, well, you know, Coach had a group text, and we just kept talking to each other over the break and holding each other accountable. Let's get our workouts in. Let's do what we're supposed to do so that we're good to go when we come back to start practicing again. And for the most part, Coach LaHaye said all the ladies did their job. But uh, when Thursday night's win over Lynchburg, great work by Ross, good, good night by Williams, good night really by the whole team. But there's one person that has to be pointed out, and that's sophomore point guard Sheridan Hetfield. She played by far and away her best basketball of her career so far in a yellow jacket uniform. 12 points, but so much more. Uh, Offensively running the point very well, defensively along the perimeter doing a fantastic job. Uh, So Sheridan, it was kind of her coming out party, Michael told me, that she had been just kind of pumping her up prior to that particular game. And I tell you, if Sheridan can come into her own and put those performances together, uh, combined with uh, Becca Arrington on the outside, who had a great game in that overtime loss to Christopher Newport, contributed well, had some good plays in the win over Lynchburg. Put all that together, and even though this team started two and six overall and one and two in the ODAC, well now they're three and two in the ODAC. They're four and six overall. It's that ODAC record that matters. They're in a four-way tie for fifth place at this particular point. They go to Bridgewater tomorrow night. That's another team at three and two, and another team at three and two are the Guilford Quakers, and they come to Ashland for a 4:30 tip on Saturday. So we're hearing it's going to be warm, but it's going to be wet on Saturday. So it's the perfect time of day uh, to come on over to Crenshaw Gymnasium and catch a great doubleheader of college basketball. Number seven men at two o'clock. And then the ladies who at that point hope to be looking to even their season record, but more importantly, get to that fifth win in the ODAC. That game will tip at 4.30, so congratulations to Buzz William, uh, Buzz Anthony, I should say, and Kelly Williams. I knew I was going to put that together at some point in time, winning the ODAC Players of the Week. Later in the hour, a little talk about high school hoops, as well as a look ahead to the 2020 men's basketball season, only the second ever at Randolph-Macon. But when we come back after this timeout, we will sit down and have a conversation, kind of a breakdown and, 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 a, and a look at look a 
at the 2019 season and, and peek ahead to 2020 with uh, the head football coach at Randolph-Macon, Pedro Aruza. What a ride it was in 2019. We'll talk about that and much more after our first time out live here at Sports Page Grill Ashland. If you're in the area, come on in and join us. we got a couple of seats left for you here to grab some great dinner and enjoy some good sports conversation live and local every Monday night here on The Mater. We're back after this time out. You are in the red zone. We'll be back with more from the Red Zone after these messages. When you need printing, you usually need it yesterday. We Think in Ink can't work that quickly, but close. Let Chuck Stoudemire and the folks at We Think in Ink take your printing project and help make your message stand out. We Think in Ink offers quick turnaround and printing you'll be proud to use. Visit We Think in Ink in Ashland right next to the post office at 305 England Street. Let them suggest ideas for your business cards, letterhead, brochures, or business forms. We Think in Ink in Ashland. Where do you bring the family for sports, great food, and excellent service? Sports Page Grill in Ashland. Walking distance from Randolph-Macon College, Sports Page Ashland features 40 and 55-inch TVs, all high-definition flat screens. Sports Page Ashland has something for everyone on the menu, like their fresh Angus beef burgers or chicken wings, which everyone agrees are the best in town. Kids' night is Wednesday. All kids' meals are served on Frisbees that they can take home. Your family will love the friendliest faces you can find anywhere north of Richmond at Sports Page Grill in Ashland. For nightly specials and more, check them out on Facebook. Sports Page Ashland. Massey Wood and West has been servicing the Richmond and surrounding areas since 1923, offering the finest in HVAC systems, home heating, fuel oil, propane gas, and more. Massey Wood and West is a premier dealer of Heil cooling and heating equipment, offering professional service and installation of HVAC systems, gas, or oil furnaces. Heil systems are backed by a century of superior engineering and quality manufacturing. Massey Wood and West also gives you one stop shopping for standby generators, tankless water heaters, gas logs, and other quality Heil equipment. Call today. Stay cool in the summer, warm in the winter with Massey Wood and West. Call 355-1721. That's 355-1721. Or go online to MasseyWoodandWest.com. That's MasseyWoodandWest.com. Massey Wood and West, a premier Heil dealer. Massey Wood and West, prompt dependable service since 1923. Back live, Sports Page Grill Ashland in the red zone on the first Monday of 2020. Well, a week from tonight, they will finally uh, determine a national championship up at the FBS level. I don't know why they didn't play tonight, to be honest with you. When I first looked at the calendar and saw it was going to be January 13th, I'm like, why are they waiting almost two and a half weeks? But that's a totally different story <laughs> for another day. That'll be a week from tonight. Uh, we are going to take a look back a little and a look forward a little and kind of have a breakdown and a great conversation with uh, one of my favorite guests. Always an honor to have Randolph-Macon head football coach Pedro Aruza with us live here in the Red Zone. Coach joins us on what's been a very busy first Monday of the year for you, too. Coach, first of all, thanks for your time. Always a pleasure. Of course. Appreciate you having us on. And so Monday means, let's see, on the job there on campus, you got the guys in the weight room. And then you take off and you're heading out to schools. And it's people don't realize just how crazy busy it is in this particular quadrant of your schedule, correct? Yeah, I mean, January is probably one of our busiest months. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're recruiting, we're hosting a, a bunch of recruits on campus, you know, a few times a week. Uh, we're getting out on the road to see different recruits. 
uh, starting our off-season program. Mm -hmm. So it's extremely busy. I mean, it's a little bit, a uh, little bit less structured than uh, the season is. So that's a little bit, a little bit different. You know, during the season, there's a, there's a rhythm to the week. Yeah. You know what you're doing on Sunday, what you're doing on Monday to prepare, what you're doing on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all the way through Saturday. But uh, yeah, the off season is a little bit different. You're definitely uh, as busy, if not more, more busy, and it's just not as, uh, not as rhythmic and not as. Not as uh, structured, I guess. Uh, you want to talk structure. I won't give you details, fans, but I can tell you I have a standing Thursday 11 a.m. appointment with Coach every week during football season uh, to get our pregame show ready for the, the broadcast on Saturday here on the Mater. And I'll sit down in the uh, in the outer room and wait for the opportunity to come into the inner sanctum. And uh, <laughs> there will be Thursday's schedule sitting on the big table. And I'll just look at it and I'll go, oh, my word. Just, I mean, detailed down to the minute. But it has to be, does it not? Yeah, details are a big deal. I mean, that's how you win and lose football games. And, you know, I, I tell our guys all the time that, you know, the, the best teams, the great teams, the teams that have the most success they they're not necessarily focused on the result all the time it's the process and you know the habits and the you know the details that it takes to be really really good you know the, those are the things that that help you win championships so I, I think that it's great to have have goals and to set out to accomplish great things mm -hmm. but uh it's the systems and the processes that you know get you to that point that that are really important and that's what we really try to focus on they've got to be there yeah got to be there so let me ask you this before we start talking about the season gone sure. by and it has it's germane to what you're doing right now you've mentioned going to visit recruits recruits coming on campus visits are are now underway we've had this now early signing period for the last couple of years a three-day window just before christmas where players can go ahead and, and sign their national letter of intent for football if they wish it used to be Everybody waited to that first Wednesday in February, and National Signing Day was just completely insane because it was right. just this avalanche. And right. you know, people right. like us in the media, we're trying to get to a dozen schools in seven hours, and it's just physically impossible to do. Have you seen any change in the process on your end when it comes to Division Three because of that new early window? You know, I'm not really sure if it has to do with that early window or that early signing date. I, I do think that a lot of kids want to make decisions earlier. You know, but then you still have those guys that, you know, the Johnny-come-latelys that want to drag their feet a little bit and wait until the last possible minute to, to make a decision. So I, I think probably where it's helped us a little bit is the scholarship schools are putting out their scholarship offers earlier. And so at this point in the year, you know, when you're talking to a young man, he's not saying to you, hey, I, I might get offered by Richmond, I might get offered by William & Mary, because really those offers have already – have already gone off, gone out. You know, yeah. I mean, they're they're pretty much done recruiting. So I think that you know the the way that's probably affected us the most is that there's a little bit more clarity to the process now in uh, January. Kids kind of know where they're going a little bit more, or at least they know what level of football they're uh, they're going to be playing. I think the summer is another thing that that that's just kind of gotten a little bit out of control. I mean, I, I know when I talk to my friends that coach the Division One level, it's it's nonstop. You know, yeah. I mean, they're you know, there are all kinds of camps in the summer and you're just going and there's really no downtime. Everybody kind of assumes that, you know, once you hit the summer, that things are a lot more laid back. But, you know, the reality is that you're you're constantly bringing kids on campus. You're going out to camps to evaluate players. And, you know, I, I think in some ways that's good. It gives, you know, young men an opportunity to be evaluated. But 
in some respects, they're spending less and less time with their high school coaches, and that's not a good thing. Right. So I think there's got to be a balance. I think there definitely, definitely have to be some changes coming, you know. And I and I and I think there will be. I think that there's been too much uh, talk about, you know, how how these coaches are, you know, running themselves into the ground in the summer with all these camps. It's way different for us because we don't have the same deadlines and we don't have the same, you know, pressures that some of these guys are are dealing with. But, sure. You know, everything kind of trickles down a little bit to our level, too. It does. And, and you would think you would want your head coach and your coaching staff to be as fresh as possible when camp opens. But this doesn't seem to be locking up with that school of thought. Uh, I, I, I do wonder, uh, the people who don't have to run these 12-month-a-year sprints, how do they how do they plan this and think that this is actually going to be able to work in the long run? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I mean, you, you know, it's interesting. You see more coaches getting out of it now at, 55 than you ever had before you know chris mm-hmm. peterson at, at washington right uh, urban meyer i'm sure urban meyer will get back into it at some point but uh you know 55 years old and he's out of it you know bob stoops got out of it at yeah. 55 you just didn't see that very much in the old days you know you, guy like joe paterno was coaching into his uh, 70s and oh yeah you know guys would go to one place and they would stay there for years and years and years and you know, they could coach into their late 60s or coach into their 70s, and that was not uncommon. Where, nope. where nowadays you you see a lot more, uh, a lot more burnout. You know, so there's a, those jobs are they're high pressure jobs, and they're they're all at every level. I mean, it doesn't doesn't matter if you're coaching high school, college. I mean, there's just so much responsibility that that a coach has, and you know, so many different kinds of pressures that people on the outside don't really understand. I mean, a lot of people are like. You know, well, what do you what do you do now that the season's over? <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, there's there's quite a bit quite a bit going on. You know, you're responsible for a lot. You know, you got 120 guys on your campus that you're responsible for, and you know what they do in the classroom. You know, technically, you're responsible for that. You know, right. the decisions that they make off the field. You know, those are going to be a reflection on on you and your program and your coaching staff, and so there there's quite a bit that goes into it. And I, I I love the love the job and you know everything that it entails but it's not uh it's not a simple job and it's not just about you know coaching football right. there's a lot more that goes into oh, it that so, people don't realize so much more and it's yeah. not for the faint of heart frankly you you've, you've got to have a true 24 7 commitment and but at the same time you've also got to understand how to have that commitment and still have to have at least some balance in your life because you have a family you have kids and you just watched your your son a senior for patrick henry go on this cinderella ride all the way to the state semifinals in the midst of your season wrapping up and beginning to do everything you need to do to get ready for 2020 yeah i mean i think you have to keep you know balance i I don't know if that's the a great word to use in coaching i don't (laughs) that's i don't know that anybody that's any good at their job is is balanced but you, you definitely have to keep a perspective on things mm-hmm. and i think that's you know really really important you have to remember what what's really important your your faith your family and uh you know as long as you keep those things in in order and in priority then i think everything else kind of falls into place but cool. uh you know you just have to have to keep reminding yourself of that no doubt but i will say this for you coach many a friday night i think we did nine of patrick henry's 14 games here on the major this year and i did eight of them the only one i missed was down in norfolk uh, and, and there, there you are on Friday night, even yeah. though it's game day on Saturday, whether it's on the road or, or at home, it was important for you to be able to watch number three out there yeah. for Patrick Henry. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't miss a game this year. I mean, I, you know, we had three, three overnight road trips and, uh, 
you know, we got everything done at school like we normally do. And uh, I sent the team ahead on the bus and, and met them at the hotel later that night and uh, was glad that I didn't uh, didn't have to miss one of my son's games. I mean, that was that was a special deal. And credit to your assistant coaches for the job that they did that allowed that to be the case. Yep, no doubt, no doubt. So it was uh, really, really a, a meaningful deal to be able to, to go to all those games and to be a part of that. So We had Coach Wakefield in that chair um, just one week ago, and, and it was very long into the conversation, but I asked him, I said, you go for two again, and he's like, well, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what, did you th- what did you think of the moment? and the call yeah i mean i thought it was a great call and uh you know i think what people people ask me all the time you know what do you think about this and what do you th- you know I, <laughs> I i go to the football games to watch number three number three I, I focus on number three i don't think uh think too much about what they're doing schematically but you know i was really really happy that my son had an opportunity to play for coach wakefield coach yes. wakefield was on our staff for one year so i know what kind of a person and coach he is and, uh, you know, take take the X's and O's out of it, take the football out of it. That stuff is important to a certain extent, but uh, the job that he did, you know, with those kids and, you know, the way he mentored them and the example that he set for them and the program that he put together, I, I, I could have cared less if they won a single game this year. I was really happy with you know, the season that they had, and it was obviously very special for those kids to be able to experience that. But uh, just the job that he did in terms of organizing that, that program and getting those kids to buy in, you know, that, that's all I've really ever cared about as a, as a dad, you know, that my son be in a program that is well-structured where the coach cares about the players and he's trying to teach them about more than just, you know, football. And, uh, you know, coach definitely did that and uh, did, did an awesome job. So, yeah, great, great call. Uh, you know, I thought that, uh, you know, with the way that game was going, I thought it was a really, really uh, – Really good call, and uh, yeah, I, I, I said to the person sitting next to me, you know, earlier in the game, I'm like, hey, if we have an opportunity to, and we do score and we, we get within one, I think, you know, we probably need to go for two. Should but for yeah, two. I'm, I'm not one that sits up in the stands and, and second guesses no. the, the, those kinds of decisions. I, I thought that Coach Wakefield and his staff did a great job this year, and uh, yeah, I was really, really uh, grateful that my, my son had an opportunity to play for them. Can you hang for, for a moment? Absolutely. Awesome. We are going to take our commercial break and get that done so that when we come back, we can fly through the 2019 season, some ups and downs, uh, but some great memories, some uh, one incredible comeback, record-setting performances, a lot to get to, but we also want to look ahead a little bit to the state of the ODAC and more as we get into uh, the new decade. That's all coming up after this next time out. We will be back with head coach Pedro Aruza in just a moment here live from Sports Page Grill Ashland. Back in a second here on The Mater, you are in the red zone. There's more to come right after this short break. Massey Wood and West has been servicing the Richmond and surrounding areas since 1923, offering the finest in HVAC systems, home heating, fuel oil, propane gas, and more. Massey Wood and West is a premier dealer of Heil cooling and heating equipment, offering professional service and installation of HVAC systems, gas, or oil furnaces. Heil systems are backed by a century of superior engineering and quality manufacturing. Massey Wood and West also gives you one stop shopping for standby generators, tankless water heaters, gas logs, and other quality Heil equipment. Call today. Stay cool in the summer, warm in the winter with Massey Wood and West. Call 355-1721. That's 355-1721. Or go online to MasseyWoodandWest.com. That's MasseyWoodandWest.com. Massey Wood and West, a premier Heil dealer. Massey Wood and West, 
prompt, dependable service since 1923. I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with geeks on site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop, and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. We offer affordable prices on our remote services and IT support. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 877-801-0746. 877-801-0746. That's 877-801-0746. On this first Monday night of 2020. Hi, friends. Rob with them. You are in the red zone live at Sports Page Grill Ashland. Our conversation tonight with Pedro Ruza, head football coach of the Randolph Macon Yellow Jackets, who had a year of, of, of some ups and downs, some trying times, some exhilarating times, and in the end, another nine win season. Now, coach, help me out numerically here. Nine win seasons here in the last three, four years, they almost are beginning to seem like they're expected and normal but we go back and look at the history of this program there weren't many nine win seasons before say 2016 yeah yeah i mean i, I don't know how normal they're becoming <laughs> i i'd hope that we we could exceed that a that, little bit yeah, but that's uh, right yeah i told our guys today we had a uh, we had a team meeting to you know just some organizational stuff that we were talking about and uh you know we've had five five nine win seasons okay between 1881 and 2015. So two of them happened in the 1930s. Uh, two happened in 68 uh, and 69 when Howard Stevens was the running back here, future NFL uh, player. And then we had a uh, phenomenal year in 1904, which oh, yeah. was 9-2 nine uh, nine that year. So, yeah, we've done that three times now in the last uh, four years. So that's, uh, you know, certainly a step in the right direction. You know, I think we've gotten the program to a certain certain level but uh you know the hope and the, the goal is to try to exceed that you know so you you lose arguably one of the better senior classes you've had in your tenure here i mean they they have accomplished a lot and they came in as freshmen and I really enjoyed the conversation i had before christmas here with uh burke Hestis and trey frederick because it took them back to you know the whole process of deciding to come to randolph make yeah. when when the yellow jackets are coming off a four and six season the year before they come on campus and as freshmen they experience that first nine win campaign you win the odak on the road with us starting quarterback at hamden sydney you get the chance to go to baltimore yeah yeah that went kind of lopsided early but you had the playoff experience and obviously that had to help come 2018 and you had a chance to hit the road in the postseason again and that time being victorious um what do you see out of the returning classes specific junior class who are going to be your seniors for 2020 um and and i think yeah there's a lot of things on the field that you're going to have to make up for but if i were in your shoes i would be more worried about the leadership situation yeah i mean it's interesting that you say that so 
you know, I think there's two ways to look at it as a coach. You know, one one is to look at the material that you have coming back, and you look at your depth chart, and you say, okay, I've got a returning quarterback, I've got a returning running back. You know, we have this many guys back on defense. Okay, but you know, the reality of it is that, you know, while those things are important, you know, I've I've had teams here, we've had teams here that, uh, you know, in my opinion, have exceeded expectations, and the reason they've exceeded expectations is because of the leadership, because of the chemistry, uh, because of the work ethic. And, uh, you know, I, I thought our leadership was okay this year. You know, I, I thought it was uh, solid. I wouldn't say it was outstanding. Mm-hmm. I think that, uh, you know, that's what I'm curious to see in the next uh, in the next few months. You know, what kind of leadership are we going to have in the in the next year, you know, with this next team? I mean, every, every team is different, you know, and uh, – I think sometimes when you know you're coming off a season like the one we had in 2018, where you know maybe the expectations were not as high, you know, and we had some good players coming back that year, and you know certainly the expectations are high every year in Ashland now and in our football program, but uh, you know the expectations may not have been as high in 2018, and so you know that team, some would argue, exceeded expectations, and then you come back in 2019 and you have these you know incredible expectations because you have a lot of people coming back and you're not losing a ton from the previous year but what people don't realize sometimes is that you know what you don't lose in talent you sometimes lose in leadership and in chemistry and and just in all those intangibles that in my opinion make a world of difference in football you know I mean those things matter you know and uh so you know we we had a good year this year I was very proud of uh our football football team and very proud of our our players and you know we had to battle to to pull out some of these wins but uh you know i think that uh it wasn't perfect and we we certainly have a lot of areas that we need to improve in so you know we'll, we'll see how the leadership plays out you know it might, might be better this year you know it might might not be as good you know we'll, we'll see i mean that that's what i'm curious to that that's a player driven thing you know what i mean and yeah the coach coach plays a part in that but uh yeah, you know, the players have to take that take that lead and make make that happen. And so that the audience understands, they don't necessarily have to be a senior to be a leader, correct? No, not at all. I mean, I you know, a leader a leader's a leader, you know, and I and I do think that there are things that you can teach, you know, young men about leadership and things that they can learn from watching other, you know, sometimes you learn from you know, what the what the seniors didn't do, right? Or maybe they did something that, you know, I, I know in coaching that's kind of how I've learned. You know, I've had some incredible mentors and that I've worked for some guys that you know I learned how not to do it, how not to you do know it. so yeah. it kind of goes kind of goes both ways but uh, you know as I've said in the past you know we've got a very uh, very uh, high character type of kid in our program and uh, you know I think that you know there's a lot lot to build on here so you know what 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 might what it might look like on paper in terms of what we have coming back and you know what we might not have coming back you know we we may make up for that with uh, some of the intangibles at least i hope that's the case definitely now looking back at the start of the season preseason ranked 24th in the country here comes johns hopkins off the long deep run in the ncaa's in 2018 and you mentioned and you used the term and it was correct sky high expectations looking back in that early part of the season, do you think those expectations were more of an albatross than anything else? What was your view? Uh, not, not, not for me. I mean, you know, and I, I would be really disappointed if they were for our team. I mean, okay. look, we're, we've been good just about every year for the last few years, and I think that if you want to have a championship program 
and you want to accomplish great things, then you need to embrace those expectations. So, you know, preseason polls and all that other, you know, nonsense, as I call it. I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you have to embrace it. And uh, we we want to be picked to finish first in the league every year because we want the expectations to be to be high. And, you know, if we have guys in our program that are concerned about that or wish that we would just fly under the radar and, you know, kind of sneak up on everybody, then I, I really don't want those kind of guys in our program, you right. know. So, you know, yeah, the expectations were, were high. And, uh, you know, I, as I tell our guys every year, you know, Hopkins was a semifinal team yeah. the year before. None of that mattered this year. No. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you did the year before. And uh, so, you know, speaking of that Hopkins game, I mean, I was, I was disappointed. I thought we had a better team than Johns Hopkins. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people patted us on the back and said, hey, these guys are, you know, the number five ranked team in the country. Uh, they ended up being okay. Yeah. You know, I just, I thought we were better. And I was uh, disappointed that we didn't win that game. We played really, really hard. Uh, but we didn't execute, and uh, I didn't think we had a, a great camp leading up to that game. And uh, you know, you, the way you uh, practice is the way you play. The way you play. And, uh, so yeah. And then you find you, yeah, you find yourself behind at Averett, and you had to make the big fourth yeah. quarter comeback, which was the largest in your tenure here at, at Randolph-Macon. Yeah. You know, I'm sitting up there second half with Marty on the radio thinking to myself, oh, 0-2 start going into the ODAC. Yeah. I mean, the pressure then is really on because you really have to run the table yeah. if you want to extend your season to the NCAA. But you're able to get that win and make it squared at 1-1 one and one and give you not only confidence but some, some impetus going into the ODAC. And then suddenly here's Emory and Henry, and you struggle in that game, but yeah. you get the victory over a team who was later found to be, you know, the, better than we thought. Frankly. Yeah, they were a good team. You know, I mean, they were a good team. And then a back-to-back with Ferrum and Guilford. Yeah. And then you, here, here you are, and it's like, okay, now we're four and one halfway through the season, and we got those two road trips behind us. We're going home to homecoming, and we got to go to Southern Virginia, and then you get the bye. How did you handle the bye? Because the schedules were changed this year with the Knights coming into the conference. You used to have it, uh, you know, right after non-conference play. Yeah. And then you'd get ready for your traditional opener in the conference with WNL. And all of that got changed. And you had the free week at the end of October. Yeah. Although you did have WNL coming out, but a full two weeks to get ready. Yeah, I thought the bye week came at a really good time this year. I mean, it, you know, normally it comes early in the season. But uh, for us, with as beat up as we were, you know, Rob, we came out of camp beat up, and we never really, you know, got healthy. Now, that that's not an excuse. We had plenty of talent to win every game that uh, we played in this year. Sure. But, uh, yeah, it, it came at a great time, and we came out of that W – or went into the WNL game, you know, as healthy as we were the entire year. year. I mean, we were healthier at that point than at any point, you know, since the start of camp. And, uh, you know, we, we came out of that game a little bit beat up, and, you know, that – it is what it is because – Look, at the end of the day, you know, everybody's got, you know, the same story, you know, no matter who you're talking to, you know, whether it was Bridgewater, whether it was Washington and Lee, whether it was, you know, Hampton, Sydney, any team on our schedule, everybody at some point during the year, you know, lost a key player yep. and got beat up and you just got to be able to play through those things and you've got to be able to fight through that a little bit. And, uh, you know, like I said, you know, it was just, uh, you know, it was one of those years, like I said, things never, uh, you know, like I said, nine-win nine, nine season and, uh, you know, a lot of really good things. And our kids battled hard and we played really hard and, you know, came came back to, to beat some teams that, you know, maybe we shouldn't have beaten, you know, given the circumstances in the game. But, uh, you know, at the, end of the, at the end of the day, when you get to 
the end of the season, you want to be able to look back and say, you know, did we max it out? Did we play as well as we could have played mm-hmm. in every single game? And, yeah, I don't think we did, you know. So I hope we can improve upon that next year. That's that's the goal. And, and what does what is the head coach and what is the coaching staff – how, from from a from a mental psychological standpoint, how do you kind of reconcile that or, or have a day of reckoning about that? And how much is it in your control to go into a new season and try to avoid that or lessen that, as it were? Yeah. How's the process work? Well, I mean, I think I think at the end, it's you know, it's a player-driven deal, and uh, you know, I think that uh, you know, coach coaching matters, and you know, obviously, you got to take responsibility as a coach for everything that happens, but. Uh, you know, I, I look at it like this. You know, there, there's there's goals, there's results, and, you know, there's process, right? And I think that, you know, you can focus on, on the goal and you can focus on the result and you can say, you know, hey, at the end of the day, you win an ODAC championship, would I look at the season any differently? And the answer is no, I don't no. think I would have. You know, I think you look at the process and you look at the way that you're going about things and you look at the systems that you have in place and our guys – you know, doing everything that they can possibly do, you know, to max out those systems and to max out, you know, their potential. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I just felt like at times we, we did not do that this year. And ultimately that, you know, falls on me as a, as a coach because if we don't have great leadership, you know, whose fault is that? That's the coach's uh, responsibility to make sure that you have the leadership in place you know, to make things happen. And if you're not practicing at a certain level, well, you know, that, that's got to be, you know, a coach-driven thing as well because you got to make sure that uh, you're getting what you can out of the, uh, out of the players, you know. But, uh, you know, we got, we've got great kids in the program, and, uh, you know, again, we had another really good season, but uh, I don't think anybody's, you know, happy with the end result. And, you know, at the end of the day, you want to be able to, to say, hey, we did the absolute best that we could have uh, done with – the available talent, and I think we could have been a little bit better. So, you know, just being really frank. No, and I want you to be, absolutely. I I can hear Making Nation out there right now listening, going, okay, now wait a minute, wait a minute, next year, next year. So I'll I'll just kind of roll the ball to you and let you gently hit it however you'd like to hit it. uh, Presley, obviously, who started several games as a freshman at quarterback, he's back. Burke has completed his time there. Obviously, Trey Frederick's career is completed, and what a career it was. But you've got several guys who can pound the rock, hopefully if they can stay healthy. Um, and it was kind of the hallmark of the last couple of years in terms of who's been coming back, you always had a lot of defense coming back. Yep. You're going to lose quite a bit now going yep. into 2020. How does that all play out as you go through this offseason when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to how you're handling the guys uh, in off-season drills and off-season conditioning, and is anything set for 2020 for opening day? I think I know the answer to that question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the, the focus right now, I mean, it's, you know, it's January. You know, I, I, I told our guys, you know, our, our focus right now, we, we've got to build a tougher football team, mm-hmm. you know, so that that's number one, you know what I mean? And so everything that we're doing right now is working towards that end you know so you know what am i focused on right now well what i'm focused on tonight when i get done with this interview is i'm going to get on the phone and i'm going to make some recruiting calls and that's going to be my my focus for the for the night and then you know i'm going to come in tomorrow morning and we've got a weight room uh, group coming in early in the morning and my focus is going to be on making sure that those guys 
you know, get the most out of that weight workout that they can get, you know, and then when that's done, yeah, I'm going to focus on the next, next task and, you know, whatever, whatever's in front of me or in front of us to, you know, do it as absolutely best as I can do it, you know, and, and that's all we're going to focus on at this point, you know, as far as what our roster looks like or, you know, who's going to play what position or who's going to tote the rock or, <laughs> you know, what we're going to do schematically. You know, I, I told our guys, if we're not tougher, it ain't going to matter what we do schematically. Mm. You know, so right now I think we've got to, you know, we've got to get back to, to being a more physical football team and, and being more physical on on defense and, you know, running the ball with more authority and, uh, you know, just being a more physical outfit, you know, all around. So, like I said, we've got, you know, we've got great kids in the program and a good foundation to build upon. But, uh, you know, that that's going to be the focus, you know, just recruiting. You know, it, it, it comes down to a couple things, right? You know, and I say this to our players all the time. Players, right? plus culture equals championships you know and how do you get those players well you've got to recruit them and then you got to develop the heck out of them right and then the culture is all those things that we were just talking about right the character the leadership the chemistry the toughness you know the the brotherhood you know all those things are the things that you know when you get good players that you know have a little bit of ability and you can put them in a culture that breeds all those things then I think you got a shot, you know, and I think that's what we're really, uh, you know, working hard to achieve right now, you know. Coach, I'm dying to ask you this question. Yep. Uh, how much of the Division Three playoffs were you able to uh, necessarily take in, view, um, just kind of have your finger on the pulse of how things were going uh, from the Mount Union upset in the second round all the way to the championship, which was eventually won by the team that knocked them out? Yeah, I mean, I, I followed it pretty closely you know because you know obviously Bridgewater was in the playoff mm-hmm. and you know we they were up at halftime you know, they were up at halftime so we were following following that game and you know we, we played Muhlenberg in the playoffs last year so yes. I was really interested in seeing what they were going to do I, I thought they had a really really good football team um, North Central was a team that was our you know I played at Wheaton and North Central was our Hampton Sydney mm-hmm. and uh, so you know of course I followed them and Wheaton my alma mater was in the playoffs and you know, they, they, they lost a heartbreaker to St. John's yeah. in the quarterfinal. So, yeah, I followed all those. I'm, I'm a big fan of this level of football and, you know, really familiar and friends with some of these other coaches. And so you, you follow them and, you you know, you – yeah, I mean, I, I, so I, the answer to your question is I, I followed it all the way, all the way through and, mm-hmm. and watched the national championship when North Central beat, uh, beat Whitewater. I watched that with my boys and – you know, so yeah, that I told my wife, my, my wife and I celebrated our 23rd anniversary on that night, and I told yes. her we got to get home and uh, <laughs> watch this game. So an early celebration, exactly. Be so, Coach. Let me let me give you, get your thoughts on subject because it's crossed my mind in the last week or so knowing we'd have this conversation so knowing what it takes to lift the ultimate trophy in division three football and seeing what happened here in 2019 with i mean not only did mount union get eliminated in the second round we talked about johns hopkins the semifinalists last year they weren't in the tournament john carroll who went nine and one and you beat last year in the opening round they didn't make the tournament it, it was kind of a different feel of a different field but you see what the best of the best looks like division three how far away is Randolph-Macon from competing to be the best of the best? 
I think we've got a ways to go right now. You know, I mean, I think that, you know, we're, we're at a level right now. I mean, like I, I said, we, we won th- nine games, you know, three years out of the last four years. Yes. Um, we, we've won more games than any program in the ODAC over the last 10 years. So mm-hmm. we, you know, we had a, a pretty decent decade, you know, in terms of that. Uh, we had the winningest decade, you know, in terms of, you know, win percentage and wins of any decade of Randolph making football in, in the, you know, 100-plus year history of the, the program. I, I think we're getting closer, um, you know, but we, we still have a ways to go. I mean, we still have to be able to compete with those those top-notch teams. And, you know, hey, when you, you have a team like Hopkins coming in, you know, to your stadium in the opening uh, game of the year, you got to be able to win those games if, if you want to be considered one of the elite teams in, in Division Three. you know. So I'd say that, you know, if I had to describe the state of our program right now, I'd say that in terms of wins and losses, we're, we're good. You know, we're pretty good. I mean, we've got a really good, really good program, really, really competitive, and, you know, arguably right on the cusp of being a top 25 program every year. Um, in terms of culture, I think it's great. I think we've got an elite culture. I think we've got an outstanding culture. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of room for improvement, and we've got to get better. You know, so that's what we're working towards. And and does it feel like uh, the closer you get, the further you feel away? Because when you get closer, then you we're going back now to talking about details, uh, which we did at the start of our conversation. It begins to be about all those little details that you know some people, especially the players at 18 to 22 years old, may not think are that important, but they may mean the total difference between uh, you know winning the ODAC and losing in the first round, or winning the ODAC and making a run and being a Muhlenberg who won a couple last year, made the final four this year. Yeah, I think I think that you know to me a big a big deal is this. You 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 know you got to have certain things in place. You got to have talent. Okay, I mean, you can't win without talent. Yes, correct. Right, you've got to have that culture, you know, that we talked about. You know, the leadership, the 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 toughness, the the chemistry, all those things, which I think we, we have a lot of those things going for us. And then you've got to have, you know, a hunger. I mean, you've got to have a team that, that's dying, you know, to, to perform at that, that level. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, it, it's human nature, right? It's you know, relief syndrome, right? You, you make an A on a test and you, you think, oh man, I, I made an A. So, you know, maybe if I make a, a C plus on this one, I'll add that'll average out to a B or a B plus. And I'll be know? okay. And yeah. unfortunately, that's the way that most people think. And unfortunately, that's the way, the mindset of a lot of 18 year olds, you know? You know, I achieved something and now I can relax. Right, and I think what we have to do is we have to create an edge for our program. And you know, there's, you know, I and I used to listen when I was 30 years old and I took over this program. I thought, you know, I could will, you know, will anything to happen. You know what I mean? And and I say to the guys all the time at the beginning of the year, I said I can make anybody do anything for 10 seconds. You know, I can motivate anybody to to go 100 miles per hour for 10 seconds, right? But it's being able to sustain that day in, day out, you know, to have that inner drive, to have that hunger, I think that takes a special, you know, kind of person. I think that takes a special, you know, kind of uh, young man. And when you look around the world, how many people do you meet like that? You know what I mean? 
most people are pretty happy being mediocre. Right. You know, content. They're content. Uh, you know, that's good. That's pretty good. You know, well, pretty good's not going to win you an ODAC championship. Nope. You know, pretty good is not going to propel you, you know, deep into the national playoffs. And no, it's certainly not, not going to help you, you know, win a national championship. No. So, you know, you can be the most driven guy in the world, but if you don't have ability, you're not going to be able to achieve that. So, you know, those teams, yeah, I think you can say this about North Central. I mean, I think that they had a unique combination of a lot of ability. You know, they had the best quarterback in the country. <clears throat> they had a great tailback. They had an outstanding offensive line, a receiver that you could argue was as good as any receiver in the country, a very good defense. But then the other thing that they had going for them is they had a, they had a hunger. You could tell that those guys, you know, wanted to, to be good, you know. And uh, I think that, that matters. That That's a big deal, you know, to, to have that drive, to have that, you know, that hunger. You know, I mean, how, how, do, you, how do you take a team – you know, like Patrick Henry, where a year ago they were very mediocre, and now you take the same group of kids mm-hmm. and make it to the state semifinals. Yeah. I mean, that, that doesn't just happen because, you know, doesn't happen by accident. No, it doesn't. You know? So I think those things matter, okay? You know, how tough you are, you know, what kind of chemistry you have on your team, how hard you're willing to fight for the guy next to you, you know, what kind of leadership you have, whether or not you're willing to hold a teammate accountable. Or whether, you know, half the time, Rob, you ask a guy, hey, do you think this guy's working very hard? No, I don't think he's working very hard, Coach. Have you told him that? No. No. Why not? You know, I mean, that that's that's a tough conversation to have. But it's a conversation that you have to have if you really want to bring out the best in your in your teammates. You know, so, you know, again, those are the things that we're, we're constantly working towards. You know what I mean? And I yes. think that, uh, you know, any, any good coach and any good program is – you know, trying to achieve achieve those things because, you know, sometimes you think you've arrived and, you know, the reality is nobody's ever, you know, real close to arriving. I mean, you look at what happened with the Patriots. They got knocked out in the yeah. wild card round and, you know, things happen, you know. You got you to gotta come back and, and bring it every single year and every, every single moment. Which includes so. right now when you're in the midst of finding future Yellow Jackets and keeping the current ones that are on campus accountable now that they're back in back in town. No doubt. You gotta keep you gotta keep getting better. You gotta keep getting better and you know, like I tell our guys all the time, you you need to surround yourself with guys that are constantly striving to be better and you know, if you don't surround yourself with those kinds of people and you're not constantly trying to improve and get better, then you know, what is it that, that Nick Saban says? I think it's uh, you know, mediocre people can't stand High achievers and high achievers can't stand mediocre people. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> yes, it does. You know, because when you're really pushing to try to be the best that you can be, and you've got somebody in, you know, right next to you that that's not interested in achieving greatness, then you're you're always going to be at odds with that with that that person. You don't want to you, know? dra- you won't you don't want them dragging you yeah. down. No, for sure. But that's yeah, sure. you know, back to your original point or question. I I mean, you know, certainly what we're trying to work towards in recruiting and with our weight program and with everything that we do in our in our program is to achieve, you know, greatness and to have an elite program. And, you know, how do you define elite? How do you define great? It's not just, you know, in terms of wins and losses because, shoot, you could win a national championship and do it with a bunch of jerks. And, yeah, you know, that's, that's not what we're after. You yeah. know, I mean, part of what you're trying to do is represent the college and 
represent the community and represent uh, you know the alumni in the in the right way and to have you know young men in the program they're going to be high achievers in the classroom and they're going to be high achievers you know on the field and they're going to be high achievers in the community and they're going to do things the right way and you know repre represent the school the right way i think that's really really important no doubt about yeah. it coach i could talk all night with you my friend appreciate it but i know you've got stuff to yeah. do so we're going to let you go i i, I thank you for for all that you did to help us with our our broadcasts with our pregame shows and how accommodating you have been all season long and and coming and joining us here can't wait to have you again sometime soon and can't wait for opening day of 2020 no problem we appreciate all the coverage and all the exposure that you know you give our program and uh you know it's it's awesome for the school and awesome for our our players and you know i, I know you work really hard at it and we appreciate it it's our pleasure yeah thank you absolutely our pleasure yep. pedro Aruza, head coach randolph making football thanks so much for happy being new with year us. happy new year to you too we'll come back and wrap up this edition of in the red zone coming up in a moment live from sports page grill next here on the mater in the red zone we'll take a short time out we'll be right back so stay tuned to the mater where do you bring the family for sports, great food, and excellent service? Sports Page Grill in Ashland. Walking distance from Randolph-Macon College, Sports Page Ashland features 40 and 55-inch TVs, all high-definition flat screens. Sports Page Ashland has something for everyone on the menu, like their fresh Angus beef burgers or chicken wings, which everyone agrees are the best in town. Kids' night is Wednesday. All kids' meals are served on Frisbees that they can take home. Your family will love the friendliest faces you can find anywhere north of Richmond at Sports Page Grill in Ashland. For nightly specials and more, check them out on Facebook. Sports Page Ashland. When you need printing, you usually need it yesterday. We Think in Ink can't work that quickly, but close. Let Chuck Stoudemire and the folks at We Think in Ink take your printing project and help make your message stand out. We Think in Ink offers quick turnaround and printing you'll be proud to use. Visit We Think in Ink in Ashland right next to the post office at 305 England Street. Let them suggest ideas for your business cards, letterhead, brochures, or business forms. We Think in Ink in Ashland. Zone, our first of uh, 2020, working on our guests for next Monday night. As soon as we can confirm that, of course, we'll let you know here on the Mater and across our social media channels. Uh, yeah, high school basketball now in full swing, had all the holiday tournaments. That's now gone. Now it's a six-week sprint to the finish uh, for regional playoff positions. We've got two doubleheaders live online on the RVA Sports Network coming up tomorrow night. We'll be live at Deep Run. It'll be a girls-boys doubleheader both nights. Hermitage at Deep Run tomorrow night, and the Hermitage boys are still unbeaten and are the surprise of the season so far in boys basketball. And then Thursday night, rivalry night at Hanover, Patrick Henry coming in to take on the Hawks. Both games broadcast doubleheaders will start at 555 Live on the Podbean app is where you can hear our live game of the week coverage online now. So download the Podbean app, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, at either the Apple Store or Google Play, and you can hear our game of the week doubleheaders tomorrow night as well as on Thursday night. We'll be at Mary Washington on Wednesday night following number 7 Randolph-Macon men's basketball. Be back with them for doubleheader action with the women Saturday, and we'll talk all about it next week right here in the Red Zone. Rob with them saying thanks so much for being with us. We'll talk to you again next Monday night. In the Red 
Zone with Rob Witham is a production of WHAN Radio. Our producer is Calvin Cecil. Executive producer is William Roberts. In the Red Zone with Rob Witham is a copyright production of Fifth Estate Broadcasting, LLC. Any rebroadcast or reproduction in part or in whole without the express written consent of Fifth Estate Broadcasting, LLC is strictly prohibited.